Diamond Answer Man, Episode 6. Hire the right people. Hello and welcome to the Diamond Answer Man Show, where our goal is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and feel confident about those purchases that memorialize our special moments. And I don't think anything can do that better than a diamond. You may reach me at diamondanswerman.com where you may leave me a voicemail message. You may do that directly through the site or you may actually phone me at 803-792-1326 and I will look forward to how we can all help each other. This series is Hire the Right People. And of course, for a customer, a client, it's also how to know when you're working with the right person. That's right. I think every jewelry store owner uh, wants to increase their sales. And I think that this should be focused on positively because I think also as we buy, as we're customers and we're shopping in the world, we want to know that we're shopping with a healthy business. And I think one of the ways we can focus on developing our business is hiring the right sales staff that are interested in helping our clients and have your clients' best interest at heart. And if you're a, a, a client of a store, you know this by the person you're working with. So this is a, a podcast that's directed at both um, individuals looking to buy jo- diamonds and also jewelry store owners. So I'm going to start off with my first point. As a jewelry store owner, I've run uh, many stores, I've directed stores, and I've hired and trained in all my time in the industry probably hundreds, hundreds of people in the jewelry industry. But one of the things that I find that's quite difficult uh, to fix if you're going into a store and trying to help and train a jewelry store owner is a jewelry store owner who does not know why they're in, they're in this business. And um, I think that you can know you want to be in the business because you want to make money at it, right? Um, but I think that's a weak stand or a weak position to to stand upon um, in today's day and age that you should have a much deeper, much more socially conscious reason, uh, a much more rooted in your heart reason for being in the jewelry business and, and why, why do you wake up every morning and why do you unlock the doors every day? If you don't know your why, and I want to repeat that again, know your why for being in this business. If you don't know your why, or you don't know, or even have a clue on what I'm talking about, I, I would uh, encourage you to take uh, advantage, uh, go to your local library or fire up that unused I say that lightheartedly because I have one that's heavily used. Kindle Fire um, and download or listen to. You know, you you have great if you're a busy business person, you can uh, download an Audible app for both iPhones and Androids and and Blackberries. You can put them on your tablets. Uh, you can even put it on your computer, and you can listen to full unabridged books. Some of them are abridged, but I would suggest you pick up a book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek, and uh, this book will walk you through um, who 
or giving you an idea, I should say, at least through history, current history, uh, why uh, people have been most successful at their businesses. And I, I could almost say revolutions. So I, I want you to make sure that you know your why that you're in business. And then your job would be to find those people that have that same why uh, for, for helping you develop your whole company. Uh, but how do you do that? Um, I know, I know it's not hard, of course, to make enough money to stay in the jewelry business to survive and even be slightly successful, but to really grow your business and make it huge. And if you're a customer, how do you know when you're shopping with someone who's really doing something special? And what I mean by that is, is not just in what they're selling, but how they stand behind it. And then much, much more in, in, in the, art in in their heart that they put into what they're presenting you. Um, so for jewelers, I think the, the number one thing you could think about would be being open to, right? There's a lot of people in our industry, but I'm looking for something or I'm trying to give you an idea about something that's different than what we traditionally do, but that's higher outside Right? I know there's lots of headhunters that'll want to kill me right now that are in our jewelry industry. I'm saying hire outside the industry. And the reason why I say that, because of all the years I've spent training in going to jewelry stores and training at conferences and, and sitting in front of sometimes as few as 50 and at other times more than hundreds of people and talking about what's important or what they should feel in their heart when they're working with a client because this is the most special moment, especially when you're talking about engagement rings in their life, um, how you uh, will drive, or I should say, impassion, embody people. You can't do that if they don't have your why. And if they don't own it like you own it, there's nothing you can do to convert somebody from one way of thinking to another way of thinking because it's as much in their heart as it is minorly in their head. So make sure you, you're open to looking in the industry, but be very open to hire outside the industry. And I'm going to give you three very important points to look for. And my number one point is higher personality. And what I mean by that is hire someone who's interesting. Hire someone who has a story. And if you're a customer or a client, listen to this podcast, somebody who loves diamonds or is looking for diamonds, you know when you go into a store and you're in, in and the person you're working with isn't stoic. And, and they're not um, uh, making you feel like you should be grateful that you're talking to them, but they have personality and they're excited. And, and when you look at them and they look at you and you communicate with them, they're engaging in the situation. Um, so make sure you look for people inside the industry, of course, but be extremely open for outside the industry. So when you're out there in your world, whether you're shopping at the grocery store or whether you're spending uh, you know, that $5 you have in your pocket to buy that Starbucks coffee or whether you're going to um, the department store or wherever it is you may be shopping, they may, they may just be a person in a, in a bank. Um, uh, maybe uh, they have another career in, in a white-collar job, but you, you talk to them, you engage with them, and you found this dynamic 
personality. They may not be right for you and they may not be wanting to come to your business, but you need to find out more and be open to recruiting and finding people outside your industry with personality. And then two, hire people with enthusiasm. That, that's a person who shows a lively interest in what they've now learned, maybe sharing their experience and then sharing what they've learned with your customers. And even with you, you can always learn something new from the new people coming into your store. So remember, start with your why, hire a personality, and then hire someone that has great enthusiasm. And you can, you can witness this uh, when you can kind of describe your salesperson that's working with you, your teammate, as someone who's eager and exhibits a high degree. That means they're really enthusiastic about finding or pursuing the win-win situation with your client. And you as a client for a jewelry store can recognize this when your salesperson is on your side and on the side. So it's a beneficial beneficial relationship for both because a jeweler needs you and and you have something that they are you may have a need that they may be able to fill. This should be a win win situation and your sales associate should be able to find out how and where and what tools they have and what products they can offer to help win the sale that's positive for both the jeweler that they work for and very, very importantly for you. So a high degree of enthusiasm to make this work. And then thirdly, and probably most importantly, and if you envision this like a pyramid, um, so you have your three points, higher integrity. So if the foundation isn't right, the whole pyramid's going to fall down. You need to lock that base together. So what I mean by high degree of integrity, you need to make sure you hire a high moral character. So I, I can't I can't explain that anymore. It's tough to say sometimes in today's world. Um, you need to hire a high degree of moral character. Uh, you also need to hire a high degree of ethics. So that's professionally and personally, right? So an understanding of rightness and wrongness in all aspects. And you can you can talk to business coaches and there are there are uh, coaches that work with counselors who pr- produce different forms that you can when you're bringing a person in uh, during the hiring process you can have them test right i I've, I've been testing that same way to find out my aptitudes my attitudes my moral character my my degree of integrity my degree of enthusiasm and i've been tested in those same manners and you can spend a little bit of money and make sure you're hiring the right person for your team to help every single customer come in your door so do use the tools that are readily available, even if they cost you a little bit of money. So keep your eyes open for inside the industry, right? But also look outside your industry and look for those three points, personality, enthusiasm, and integrity. Now, when you found that person, what do you do? Well, of course, you can fill anyone with knowledge. And if you don't have the personality, you don't have the enthusiasm, you don't have the integrity, I don't care how much knowledge you give a person, they're not going to be beneficial to your business. And sometimes we have, uh, we're in a tough situation being 
people, when we run our businesses, when we have somebody who's been with us a long time, who has all the diplomas, all the degrees, has 20,000 years experience, and they really aren't doing what we need to have done, which is take care of the client, yet they're very good technically. They're very good maybe at just doing the appraisal. They're very good um, at doing the grading and identification, but really personally, at the counter, they stink. And we need to be able to realize when we need to either move a person out, move their position around, maybe limit their position, and then find people who we can always train. We can always, always, always train someone who has those other three things and give them knowledge. And one of the ways we can do that is through home study. You know, so you can sign up for the GIA courses. And I know people who've just burnt right through those courses and done a bang up job in completing them and then had them proctored. And these are people, uh, one of the young ladies I used to work with, Sarah, she was, uh, she just really focused on knocking these courses out. And, and, uh, you know, in my past, she's probably one of the most highly ethical, uh, great personality and a high degree of integrity I ever had the pleasure of working with. But she, she was able to knock out these homestead courses so fast and get that knowledge in her head um, and then use it as a tool for helping customers and 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 doing it right with that focus and that pursuit of win-win for the client and the jeweler. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to working with people like that, it's definitely a pleasure and that can happen in many industries. And you as a consumer uh, listening to this this podcast, you know this when you're working with your sales associates, uh, your salesperson in the stores, you can tell. You know when somebody's excited and you know if they don't have the knowledge by their high degree of uh, integrity, if they don't have the answer, they're going to go find out. They're not going to make it up. Um, so if you're a jeweler, uh, you can always find you can find people with personality, enthusiasm, and integrity, then train, give knowledge, and the first way is home study. The second way is the one-week studies, and you'll have those at trade shows and special events where you can uh, send a person off, let's say, during one of the JCK shows or JA shows, uh, and you can send them off and GIA may be there or some other third-party organization may be there uh, having courses, and you can send them off for a one-week study. Uh, then you also have two. You also have where companies like GIA will come and visit in cities near you. Or maybe if you're in a big city, they're going to actually visit your city. And sometimes they do this multiple times a year. And that means your associate may be gone for a week, right? So during that time, you're, they're training under you in their store. But then you send them off for their diploma, their certificate, whatever it may be. Then two, once you've got your fantastic associate, your rock star in your store, you're training them with that knowledge, encourage them. And I really can't underscore this more. But encourage them, and, and that means you need to do it too if you own the store, to read the trade magazines. And I think that trade magazine review should become part of uh, the meeting process. You should, if you're a jeweler, have at least one meeting a week. And the different topics happening in the industry, the different articles should be discussed to make sure that we're informing our entire team so that we can help our clients to the best of our ability. It should become part of the weekly uh, management meeting. And then two, uh, you should also make sure you have a good supply or a library of books in your store, the latest and greatest, and they don't need to be jewelry books. They can be 
business books, business books and marketing books. But of course, you need to have that foundation for jewelry. So that way you immerse that associate in the industry. And then um, you also uh, can get videos. Videos are probably one of the easiest ways during a meeting. Granted, I know we all get kind of bored when somebody sticks a tape in somewhere, but some of these videos are really good. So you can put a video in and maybe for, for a half an hour in the beginning of each day, you're training that person. So after you've done these things, and, and of course you could do the expensive, go to the expensive route, which is send a person off where they can study for six months at GIA or maybe a full year for the graduate jeweler gemologist program. Um, but that's, I think in most cases, unrealistic unless the individual is going to do it on their own or unless it's a family uh, interaction where they're sending the person off and they're going to come back and, and run the business. So you can study at one of the schools. One of the one area that I think is probably most overlooked in every single situation is fostering. That means your team interactions between the stores in your city, your street, your area, your county, your state. Uh, I really positively encourage that your team and you have positive interactions between your stores, even the people you consider competitors. And that means that you you have positive relationships and there's a positive back and forth between those sales teams and salespeople and they all know each other. And I think that encourages less backbiting. Uh, and I know that there's a lot of that that goes on in the industry, but I don't think it needs to. I think it's something that's sad and should be stopped. I think that it can be positive. And here's why, or I should say it starts with why you need to realize that, yes, you may be competing with for the same customer. So one jeweler on one side of the street may be visited by Joe, the, 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 the guy who's looking for an engagement ring in your store an hour later. But what you need to remember is that if your team understands your why for being in business and conveys that to, to Joe and Joe understands your why and, and is involved with your why and buys your why, then Joe's your customer for life. Across the street, they have a different why for being in business. So I, I don't think the two are related. Uh, we do want the same customer, but we have different reasons for doing what we do. And I think that makes it okay then to be friends with or befriend, I should say, in a positive way, be the first person who does it um, between the stores. And that also should follow through with being a part of the different membership organizations and different guilds. Um, and one really active organization is is the WJA encourage participation in the WJA encourage participation in the different meetings that GIA may have in your city and encourage your staff and in fact pay for them to go buy them dinner and send them out there so after you've hired your rock star and you've trained them with your your you've had them trained receiving that uh, that knowledge right so now when you're there in your store and you're working with them how do you know your team is going to do your why or present your why to your customer coming in your door to find out when your customer and your why match and it becomes 
uh, ultimately would be a sale. And of course, the uh, fostering of a long ongoing relationship for those special moments that happen in the future. Um, the number one way I think that some stores, or I should say a lot of stores fail, is that the owner of the store doesn't lead by example. And that means his manager doesn't lead or her manager does not lead by example either. You can't just bark at people and tell them what to do and expect them to do the same thing. Because when you describe something with words, it's open to interpretation a lot of times. But if you show them exactly what your expectations are and all you need to do is do this once, they then can show you immediately afterwards that they know exactly what you're showing them and they understand that. So if you want a team that's engaged, has the why that you are in business and owns that why just as you do, and then conveys that message to your customer and uh, finds those customers who have that same why. I'm using a lot of Simon Sinek's um, terminology here. Uh, and again, you can find the book on, on the website, diamondanswerman.com. Um, it, once you have that going and you lead by example, uh, you'll have a team that's engaged and confident about everything they're doing. So number one, show them. So that means show them how you expect them to greet your customers in the store. Show them how you want them to answer the phone. Show them how you want them uh, to put your customers on hold. Show them how you want them to to handle the take-in process for repair. Show them how to handle it when there's issues, uh, dealing in difficult situations, how to respond. Show them and then have them show you. Now, do you need to do this with live customers? Not necessarily. You can do it through role-playing. And uh, I think you can do it uh, through a week of training in a store. You can get a pretty darn good feeling about how a person is progressing by you showing them. But you can also do it by role-playing early mornings before the store is opened so you understand everybody has the same exact training, same exact focus. You have the same exact uh, you could say environment or experience in your store consistently. That's what that's what we like. We like to have consistency. Consistency. Uh, I mean, look at a McDonald's or look at a Starbucks. I know they're not jewelry, but if you look at them, there's a reason why they uh, they have the same kind of lighting, the same kind of color scheme. A Chick Fil A. There you go. I have kids, so we like Chick Fil A. Um, the same kind of color schemes. The same color. Outfits and in fact, the friendliness, you know, using Chick fil A as an example, the friendliness of the staff. I mean, I can't go into one store and then five miles away visit another store and say, well, this store is great and this store is not. And I, I think that's not hard to do, right? If we stay focused on leading by example. Okay, so we're going to lead by example. So we're going to show them and then we're going to have them show us. And then three, uh, we're going to coach. And just like a, the coach of a football team knows that his quarterback knows how to, you know, I'm not a big football guy, but he knows how to throw the ball. Um, but the coach is also going to direct. And after he directs and after he trains, he's going to direct some more. And after he sees you do it, he's going to direct you some more and encourage you to make positive changes in your performance. And I think that's something that as jewelry store owners, we fail to do. 
as a whole, I don't think we coach. So we don't lead by example in every case. So we don't show, we don't have them show us, and then we don't coach. We just ignore the situation until we become frustrated. And I think as a customer listening to this, you'll recognize this when you go into a store where the store has no why, the store doesn't, or the associate doesn't have personality, but they may have diplomas all up and down the wall, or may not. They don't have enthusiasm, and you're not sure, of course, about their integrity. So again, you can train knowledge, uh, but you can't you can't necessarily always develop the other three without the uh, the one. Um, you can uh, after you have all of those that big pyramid in place, you can give knowledge, and then you know a store by the team's interaction with you that it's positive and they're confident about what they do by how good the owner is and the manager is. And sometimes it's a big corporation that may own a store or a group of stores, and it may be a, a manager that's there between 40 and 60 hours a week directing and guiding the staff, and usually district managers too. So those managers need to, and owners need to lead by example. And then you need to follow up. So that means during your meetings, you need to follow up with how people are, are working out those processes you've described them. They may have a better way of, uh, of serving your customer and serving your client. And as a client, you may make you may make um, or give ideas for how they may better serve you, and uh, you should encourage and foster interactions with your team uh, to uh, to give you that information, and then maybe institute it in your store. So after you've done those things, what do you do when um, it's not happening the way you trained? Well, you counsel, and counsel is a tough thing that I think very few people really like to do. And counsel doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. Counseling just means you just redirect and refocus to show how important it is for certain things to be done to make sure your client is served best. So you need to counsel them, whether it's verbal or it's on paper. Um, You counsel them to direct them to the priorities in your store. And uh, hopefully that re- uh, you, you know, changes their the wind in their sails and they start flying or, or sailing in the same direction you are uh, once they understand the how important it is for you. And of course, if you've really developed your why and they own your why, this should not have to happen very often because they'll understand the why you do certain things. And then six, I, I, I think that... Um, where uh, we're, we're good at, but we're not always doing it at the right time or right place, is rewarding. I think there should be certain levels of expectations at a minimum level of expectation that every sales associate, manager, jeweler, whatever their position is, goldsmith in the store should have for fulfilling their position. And they shouldn't necessarily get rewarded for that. They're getting rewarded by having a a career or a job in the store. It's when they go above and beyond what your expectations are for serving the customer, for benefiting the business, uh, for driving it so it's better in the community, uh, better both locally, both better in the trade, uh, driving it socially, um, and I mean benefiting it socially and the and the community socially. So it's benefiting everyone uh, when they when they do something that's positive, that's above and beyond, that benefits so much more than just your store. That individual should be rewarded. Gordon.
And there's many ways you can reward a person. It could be by bonuses. It could be by commissions. It could be by spiffs. It could just be by extra time off. There's many things you can do. And and by the way, it could just be by recognition. And that means maybe you have a plaque or something in your store. And even if you have five people in your store, it doesn't really matter if there's five or less people in your store or if there's 25 people in your store. You need to recognize people who go above and beyond uh, in serving the customer and and driving positive relationships and benefiting the community. Um, so we'll go back. Hire inside the industry, you look for all the same things. Hire outside the industry, make sure you're focused on hiring personality, make sure you're focused on hiring enthusiasm, make sure you're focused on hiring integrity, and then you train them. Train them with that basic gem knowledge, basic jewelry knowledge. And there's so many different ways you can do this. Home study, one-week study, visiting with the trade shows, visiting with the events in cities near you. Encourage them to read trade magazines. Encourage them to read the books. And I would encourage you to buy the videos. You can send them off, which would be quite expensive, to one of the schools. And you probably wouldn't do that unless they're a member of your family because they could be gone for an entire year. And most of the times, people won't invest like that. But they can go off to one of the schools. And then foster interaction and knowledge between stores, memberships, and guilds. So once you've done that, you want to make sure you lead by example in your store. So you want to show, have them show you, coach, follow up, counsel if you have to, and very importantly, reward. If you have any questions about how to hire someone, I encourage you to first start looking inward And that means pick up the book I just mentioned. Pick up, I'll have two links on my site, by the way. I'll have Start With Why and I'll have Lynchpin, which is um, a book for, uh, it's it's for individuals, it's encouragement, it's, uh, you know, focusing on people who are really linchpins in a business, but you can find those kinds of people too. They're just outside your industry. So I'll have a link to both of those uh, on my site to make it easy for you to read and you can listen to them on Audible. Uh, If you decide to click the link on my site and pick up any of those books, I very much graciously thank you as I will make a small commission from Amazon each time someone buys the book. And you can contact me if you have any questions. I do have great experience going outside the industry and bringing people in in many different industries, but mainly the jewelry industry. And I also have experience in doing casting calls for employment searches. Though I do think you can go out and find people right in your area. They may be in the business right next door to you. You just go in and have go in and have to interact. They're just in another business. Just go in and and do business with them and find out how they treat you. So that was my uh this is my uh, my uh, information about how to hire the right people. It's also great for customers and clients and 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 people looking to buy a diamond, how to find the right person because you can recognize those traits both in the store and the people you're working with. Now, a little bit different in my show, I received a question this week and uh, the question was uh, regarding an engagement ring. And I received this question uh, from a listener named Jeanette. And Jeanette had asked me that uh, about her diamond being loose and, and she wanted some information about what to look for to find out if it was loose. And then upon further communication, I found out that her diamond was loose. And I also uh, recognized when speaking with her that she has had this ring for about one year. And in the space of one year, she has never, ever 
had the ring taken in for inspection for prong wear. And uh, based upon what she described to me, the prongs were either worn through wear uh, and she's in a retail career, which would uh, put her in a situation where she'd be hard on the ring, and maybe she shouldn't even wear the ring. We've talked about that uh, while she's at work, but it would be hard wear on the prongs. Um, or in this situation, the original setter possibly completed the task poorly. That means not to JA standards. So after talking with her, the ring, the stone was definitely loose. I encouraged her to take the ring in and have it examined. And the jeweler she took it into confirmed that the setting technique was fine, which is an A. I, I, that's fantastic. Um, but that she had completely worn down her prongs so much that she needed six new tips. And tips are the top part that holds your diamond in place. Now, these can be built up if they're not worn down too far. If they're worn down too far uh, past that girdle line, I mean, you can you can replace a prong, but I think in some cases it's, it's far better to re- go ahead and replace the entire head. So um, so she took it in as having this done. So here's my tip for you if you have an engagement ring. First of all, take it into a reputable jeweler. And if possible, take it into a reputable jeweler who does all the work in-house. And if they don't do the work in-house, um, make sure that they uh, have a trade shop that they're doing that's local, it's, it's, uh, it's insured, or that they're going to insure it while it's at the trade shop. Now, for both of these, whether it's in-house or they don't have one in-house and they're working with a trade shop, here's what I want you to ask. These are, these are going to be tough questions for some places. I want you to find out if the trade shop or the jeweler you're working with, their person working in the bench, has at least one title or diploma for that bench person. And that means they should have at least one title or diploma. And the minimum that we're looking for here is a, a, a JA bench certification, one of the, one of the minimal uh, titles, or a GIA graduate jeweler diploma, or has education from one of the other schools. I have a diploma from the Revere Academy of Jewelry Arts and Comprehensive Stone Study. And that only makes me very knowledgeable about what to look for And of course, when I was doing appraisals, how to appraise, but when I was buying also what to look for by craftsmanship so I could adequately describe, uh, or I should say adequately coach even the people and the jewelers I was working with with how their prongs should be done. Um, So you can have a person who's also got uh, diplomas or certificates from uh, third-party schools such as the Revere Academy of Jewelry Arts as a jewelry technician or, or has one of the varying diplomas. There are other schools all around the country that do jewelry training. I'm just encouraging you that, that you'd have at least one person titled diploma, some certificate in their store that says that they've been to one of these schools. Uh, if they have the master jeweler uh, JA certification in, in, in-house, you're set. You you most importantly want to make sure that they do all their work to the minimum, right? The minimum JA standards on everything they do. So JA standards uh, for stone setting and repair, and there's certain guidelines for how uh, deep seats should be cut and and how tall prongs should be and what angles the prongs should be. This is all technical information for you. You don't need to know this. You just need to know to ask the right questions. And again, if you go to the site, I'll have the different things you can look for and questions you can ask. So 
at the minimum, after you've done all this, so whether the jeweler does the work in-house or if they don't do the work in-house, they have a trade shop that does the work. They have at least one title or diploma person in-house that has J uh, bench certification, GIA, graduate jeweler diploma, or it's been off to one of the schools such as the Revere Academy of Jewelry Arts. And, and again, there are other schools. So you want to ask those kinds of hard questions. If they don't, I encourage you to find a store that does. A lot of the AGS stores, which is the American Gem Society, a lot of them have uh, staff members that have been jewelers for a very long time and are now going off and getting the, the, the JA. That means they've been jewelers for sometimes decades, but the JA is now testing them to make sure that they're completing the tasks and using the processes that, they're, that are in place to make sure the craftsmanship is a high degree of craftsmanship, um, uh, increasing the durability and wearability in the jewelry. And so it's, it's not substandard. It's a good quality. So after you've done all that, what, what do you do after you've had the work done or what do you do before you need work? That means after you've bought it. You need to make sure you have your ring checked at a minimum of every six months. So that means if you've had your ring for five years and you haven't had it taken in to be cleaned and or checked, you could be in trouble. Uh, you, your prongs will wear not, you know, platinum is a, is a, is a very unique metal because it is malleable. Um, and it does sort of mash a little bit, but it doesn't wear at the same rate that let's say white gold would, and it doesn't wear at the same rate that yellow gold would. And, but those, those metals tend to wear down quite a bit faster and you tend to lose stones, which could be a financial loss. You certainly don't want that to happen. But more importantly, remember, we, we bought or received this diamond uh, as, a, as a symbol of our moment, our, our magical moment when we, when, when we received and or gave the ring, especially in the engagement ring. If we lose the diamond or lose a piece of that ring, it, it hurts us emotionally. So we want to make sure that we maintain its condition. So have your ring checked by a good jeweler at, at a minimum of every six months. And what do I mean by that? What can you look for? Well, first of all, you want to make sure you shop with a jeweler that uses a microscope. And so when you go into the store, they're actually going to take the ring and they're going to put it under a microscope. They're going to look at the ring under the microscope. Most of the time they have little ring clips to where you can actually see them looking under the microscope. In some of the stores I've worked for, we've had uh, uh, microscope, uh, you know, uh, USB adapters or cameras that we put on the microscope so we could pull the image of the ring being checked up on a computer screen or at the minimum on a, uh, on the, uh, on the, or I should say the minimum on a computer screen and, or in the big s- uh, scheme of things, we had it up on a, on a, a 40 inch flat screen so you could really see what's going on with your ring. So have it inspected under a microscope. Not a loop. You want it under a microscope to get the right lighting around it. So then two, after you've checked it and it's been inspected and it looks like it's in good condition, you want to make sure it's thoroughly cleaned. And that just doesn't mean they polish it or buff it. And be aware that if they polish it or buff it, it may change the look of the ring. It may remove the patina that you may now see and love on the ring. So make sure if they're cleaning it and they do offer a polishing Make sure that you remember it's going to make it bright and shiny again unless you have the offer of putting the finish back on. 
So cleaning it, cleaning it at a minimum would be an ultrasonic and then followed up with the steam cleaning and that's high pressure steam. You'll hear the steam cleaner. It'll sound very much like they're making you a latte. Uh, It's the same sort of process. It's got the little tube that comes off the front of the machine and steam comes out in the milk. It makes frothy foam on your ring. It it sort of hard pressure washes the, uh, the gunk away. It could be, um, I won't be gross, but it could be food, it could be lotions, it could be soap, it could be, you know, from washing your hands or washing your hair. Um, anything could be locked under there. And once it's cleaned, so that means once they've steam cleaned and ultrasonically cleaned uh, all the stuff away, all of life's experience, all the stuff we don't want, your ring is going to glow. The diamond is going to be very, very bright and shiny. And then you want to take a look under the microscope again. And the reason for that is, is that some of that stuff, that lotion that you may have on your ring may have been locked under the prong, under the seat, under the bearing or in the bearing, uh, right under your diamond. And it may be holding it tightly in place. So after you clean it out, if you don't inspect it again, the diamond may be loose. So it was hiding an issue that you didn't see under the first inspection in the microscope. So you have it cleaned to make sure there's nothing going on with the ring. Once you have it cleaned, uh, you check it again. If it looks fantastic, you go on your happy, merry way, enjoying your brand new, highly polished, uh, highly sparkly, hopefully highly performing, beautiful diamond ring. And you go glowing on and, and showing all your friends and family members again, like you did when you first received it. But what do you do if you have a situation where the negative has happened. So in this case with Jeanette, she she contacted me. We found out that the prongs were worn and uh, she took it into a jeweler and it turns out it was nothing. There was nothing wrong with the setting. It was actually just worn down. I, of course, encouraged her not to wear it during her work because she's going to be in this situation again and it's going to quickly wear out her ring. We need to make those decisions, but on a, on a case-by-case situation. Um, so what what if she would have lost her uh, her diamond. What would she have done? Well, she probably would have contacted her insurance company and uh, would have found out from her insurance company because she didn't have third-party insurance on it that she did have a small personal property uh, you know, clause in her uh, contract uh, with her insurance company. But generally, that's very minor. And it doesn't really cover you for the replacement uh, of your diamond ring. Um, so that would have been a very, very weak uh, uh, situation to be in financially. Uh, it, she wouldn't have been taken care of. And so she would have lost that ring, which would have had all the emotional va- value in it. Um, and then she wouldn't have had the ability necessarily to right away replace it. So we have to be uh, cautious uh, uh, and careful about cleaning and checking. But but uh, lastly, we need to make sure we have the right kind of insurance. And I'm not going to go into the big stretch of insurance. I just want you to be aware there's different types of insurance. And with insurance, you can have a ring that's you know has like kind replacement. Most of them are like kind replacement. And with that like kind replacement, the insurance company 
will have a lot of times a contract either with the jeweler or a third-party company to replace your ring. So it's like kind. So if you have a one-carat VS1 ideal cut, and I'm just using just generic terminology, then they'll replace it with a one-carat FVS1 ideal cut um, with you know said report and whatever else that goes with it. You won't. It'll it'll all be. Uh, you won't have to worry about anything. You won't see anything occur. All you do is one day you, you, you've you lost something, the, the next day you take it to the jeweler, and a week later it comes back and it looks like it did when you first received it. It's just a different diamond in there. Um, but what if you want to not deal with that jeweler you were working with before and you want to go on to another jeweler? Um, well, you may be in, in a small quandary because with that like-kind replacement, is also replacement value uh, where you cash it out at their replacement cost. And that's what keeps your insurance policies down. So they, uh, in their policies, they'll make sure that when you are insured that you're going to most likely replace it. Um, It keeps their overall costs down. Where if you need to cash it out, whatever their pre-negotiated price is from their replacement company or the jeweler that they've negotiated, pre-negotiated their pricing structures with, that whatever that price is, that's their cash out price, which is generally uh, could be you know as little as five percent, but it could be as much as you know thirty or forty percent less than what your original purchase price would be, uh, just because the insurance company has such buying power um, in in what that they're uh, in, in what they're able to purchase, and so they're able to negotiate different pricing than what you would do. So um, one thing that you can do is if you want to make sure your replacement value is similar, same, or current, right? So if it costs more today, um, you need to make sure you're active and proactive in updating your appraisal. You can ask for specific policies that are cash value uh, that would be replaced uh, upon or cash out at current value. Those policies will generally cost quite a bit more. Um, that would be similar if you have a homeowner's policy. Uh, you can either, uh, if there's something catastrophic that happens to your home, they can replace it at the current value or cash you out at the current value, which would cover only your cost, um, maybe what you have on your mortgage, or you can have them uh, have it insured for completely replacing your home. And those kinds of policies are a lot more expensive. So you want to make sure you talk to your agent and ask questions. You know, you can talk to your jeweler, but jewelers are not insurance agents. They're not, you know, licensed in states uh, to have. I mean, it would be a very rare occasion to have a, a jeweler where they're licensed to sell insurance. Um, but, you know, companies like Jewelers Mutual, it's a very reputable, ethical company, and they operate, you know, with individuals and jewelry stores. Uh, Jewelers Mutual is a great organization. They do a, a, a like-kind replacement with most of the stores they work with, very ethical. Um, but again, they're going to just want to focus on replacing what you've lost. Uh, so you need to make sure you're aware of the different kinds of insurances that are available to you and the process for what's going to happen when you do experience a loss. And it could be a short time or a long time, depending on on the negotiation with your insurance companies, State Farm, Chubb, uh, Progressive, you know, all the, I don't think Progressive actually does it, but, uh, you know, the different insurance companies that, that deal with jewelry replacement and what they may be negotiating with the replacement center offering the diamond or the jeweler and, of course, your repair. So we talked about today quite a few things. We talked about how to hire the right people 
And if you're uh, a person listening to this podcast looking to buy diamonds, of course, this podcast is also for you. It also helps you know how to find the right store. You know, look for jewelry stores that have a developed why they are in business, that their team embodies that same why they are in business. Shop with people who have personality. Shop with people who have enthusiasm. Shop with people who have a high degree of integrity. And again, those people can learn and they can be trained to have knowledge. And shop with a confident team. And you can see that. uh, That confidence come out of them and know that their management and their owners are leading by example. Leading and giving the same expectations that they expect. And those people need to be rewarded. Uh, Those kinds of stores who have those kinds of teams are in for the long haul. And those are the kinds of companies you need to work for. If the only reason they're in business is just to sell you something, you are in the wrong store. So make sure you use those same same sort of uh, features as you're shopping to find the right people. If you're a jeweler, I hope you come back to the site and go ahead and uh, take a look at those links I'll put on this page uh, for this episode six for the different books. Uh, uh, start by developing your why. Read the book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why. I'll have a, a link there. Uh, also, I'll have the link for Lynchpin, which is uh, by Seth Godin. And I'll link those into the Amazon site. And of course, uh, as you wear your rings, you wear your jewelry, make sure you have them cleaned and checked a minimum of every six months. And uh, make sure you are knowledgeable about the type of insurance you have. And this ends our sixth podcast uh, in the Diamond Answer Man series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, This is the end of our show. I've really enjoyed putting this one together. And again, uh, I'll go ahead and start our outro music. And uh, I'll let you just know if you have any questions, any questions at all, if you call me, you can leave a voicemail message directly at 803-792-1326. Uh, and I'll happily, happily take your call and I'll answer your questions. And um, I don't have to use them live on the site. I can just say your first name and, and your question and nobody will ever know. Um, you can also send me a voicemail message directly from the site. Let me know if you'd like me to use it. I, of course, would really like to. Um, and then I'll look forward to using those questions on the site. So you may reach me at diamondanswerman.com. And uh, remember... Our goal is to help each other learn more about the world of diamonds and, of course, always, always feel confident about our purchases. Mm -hmm.